and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Avengers Endgame, directed by Anthony and Joe Russo and released in 2019. The plot of Avengers Endgame goes something like this. After the devastating events of Avengers Infinity War, the remaining Avengers team up to undo Thanos' catastrophe. And as we usually do, we will uh, talk spoiler-free about the movie up front and tell tell you whether we think you should see the film before we warn you and then talk about spoilers. I mean, is there any point? No, everyone's going to see the film, but we should do a little spoiler-free section because we always do a little spoiler-free section. And it's good practice for radio. (laughs) Um, But but we'll do a spoiler-free review in any case so that you can kind of distill your thoughts. Yeah, I'm I'm not putting that off at all. Um, I don't know. I feel like a bit of a cynical, bitter old hag when I talk about this movie because I really didn't like it very much. I did not particularly enjoy the experience of watching it. I had um, like emotional tonal whiplash constantly from it going from like super dark to like very jokey back to super dark again. Um, the pacing was a nightmare for me and a lot of the decisions open up big questions for me about how things work. Um, there were definitely things I did like about it, but overall I feel like <laughs> I didn't like I had problems with Infinity War, but I felt like Infinity War was a much better movie than Endgame is. I, and and it's fine, like it's still not bad, but it didn't give me what I wanted out of it. Okay. So I enjoyed the movie. There are a few little things that I have problems with. But overall, I really enjoyed the movie and I've had a second viewing of it since the first one. It took, when I first watched it, I was like, I'm not sure I can do a second viewing. I was really overwhelmed by it on first viewing because there is – it's so long, it's so big, there's so much going on and it's got so many jobs to do. Mm. It's really hard for one movie to do all the things mm-hmm. this film has got to do. So there are some small things that I didn't like about it that we'll go into in more detail that, and – some things that were just – a couple of things that were unnecessary and a couple of things that uh, raised really weird questions that we're going to need answering. <laughs> but overall, I really enjoyed it. I think it is still very well put together, especially considering the job that it had to do. Like this movie has to wrap up 11 years of Marvel movies. Like this is what we've been building to since Iron Man came out in 2008. Everything's been leading up to this big finale that they've been hyping for a very long time. And – it actually it ties off a lot of things in pretty satisfying ways, I think. I enjoyed a lot of it. I enjoyed the way it, it kind of did what it had to do. And I I enjoyed that there was like we got to spend a little bit of time with a lot of characters, a lot of different characters, and so we get a bit of change of tone and things like that. Some of them are a little weird, but mostly I didn't mind them. Yeah, but it's really hard to say very much without talking spoilers and people yeah. are extremely sensitive about uh, Marvel movies being spoiled, so I don't want to do that. But I think it wraps things up quite satisfactorily, but I do have a few problems. It seems like you don't really like it, but you have some things you like about it. It's yeah, like the opposite. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I, I feel like a lot of – I feel more cynical about this than almost any other Marvel movie in that I feel like it kind of ticked off boxes that they needed to tick off in ways that I found really unsatisfying. There were certain things that I did like, like I said, but overall I found it pretty unsatisfying. Yeah. I, especially it, as an experience. I really That tonal whiplash thing really got to me. It's very overwhelming to watch, especially for the first time, especially when you haven't been spoiled, especially when you are going into it wanting to know what happens. Mm. Something that I thought of when I watched it a second time is it actually my reaction to this actually reminds me a little bit of Return of the King in that the first time I watched it, 
in a cinema on its own, not having watched the other movies ahead of it, just kind of out there, I was like, oh, God, this movie is just like ticking boxes and doing its job and, and, you know, trying. it has to get all these things done in certain places. But when I watch Return of the King now on the on the end of having watched the other two and treating the whole series of Lord of the Rings like one big 12-hour movie, I really enjoy it. I find it a quite satisfying ending. It seems like, oh, yeah, this gets closed off neatly and this gets closed off and I, I like the way it ends. So I kind of got a bit of a feeling like that this time yeah. around. Definitely I enjoyed the second viewing, I think, a bit like when you watched – Infinity War and we talked about it and you said it benefits from a second viewing because you don't have the emotional impact of just having seen this all for the first time. Mm. This movie to me felt a bit the same. Yeah. But where Infinity War was like an ending with a movie attached to it, this doesn't quite have that excuse, mm. I guess, in terms yeah. of that, that emotional stuff. Yeah. But I, yeah, anyway, it's still like what was to come sort of for me made it a little bit easier to appreciate the rest of it. Okay. Anyway, we'll get into spoilers if you haven't seen Infinity War and you don't want to be spoiled, turn off the podcast now. I'll give you a couple of seconds. Okay. So, spoilers. Yeah. An actual um, interesting conversation, that movie. Um, so, I what I did, I actually wrote out my feelings about the movie in, like, little chunks where I wrote about what I did like, what I felt like okay. torn, mixed to negative about, and then what I hated. And there's so much in the mixed to negative stuff. Yeah. A little bit in the loved and then a bit in the hated. So, like, g- clearly, generally, I feel either mixed or negative about this film. Yeah. Um, the, the one that I will say, the thing that I found super upsetting about this movie and really put me off the movie was the Fat Thor stuff. Yeah. Like, I hated that so much. It was so mean. It's and so cruel. And un- unnecessary. And... When I rewatched um, Infinity War in, pre- in preparation for watching this, and there's um, Rocket makes a fat joke in that about Peter Quill, and I was and, and that joke always throws me off. Mm. And this movie like has that, but not just him. It's Rhodey and um, Iron Man and others. Like it's just it's really unnecessarily unpleasant, especially because Thor's gone off the rails because he has PTSD. Like mm-hmm. he's <laughs> suffering, and. A part of what he has to learn in this movie is that his brother and Heimdall and, and his mother aren't coming back. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing he can do about it. He's lost everyone he loves, his whole family. And, and none of them get to come back. Everybody but, else gets yeah. snapped back. But he doesn't – like, we don't he get, get Loki back. No, nobody even talks about Loki in this movie. The only times we hear anything about Loki in this movie are when he's on screen being a joke. Like, Except for the one thing that I seems to be setting up for for later on when he grabs the Tesseract yeah, and yeah. takes himself away. But, yeah, and, I, and the other thing about Fat Thor that bugs me is that it, it's Chris Hemsworth in, like, either a fat suit or CG fatness. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, like, the, even he sees it as a joke because Chris Hemsworth, like, outside of being Thor is so into fitness and being, you know, um, being super muscly or whatever mm-hmm. and eating green juice and all that kind of stuff. So it feels worse, I think, because it's not just like they've made a character fat temporarily. They've made a character fat through a really skinny gaze, even through the person who is playing him. Mm-hmm. And that feels – that's the bit that really got to me because it seems like Hemsworth sees it as a joke. Everybody, that, saw, everybody, everybody sees yeah, it, it as a joke. It would be one thing if the other characters were bad to him when he sees it that way and you can tell that's upsetting yeah and like but it's not and it's and the fat thing is 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 upsetting on its own but it's also like just constantly mocking him for having emotions 
Yeah. Like, he is constantly being made fun of for, like, feeling emotional about all this stuff that's happened. You know, whenever he cries, it's a joke. And you're like, this is awful. This is unbelievably awful. And Brody and Cap and other men in the team cry at various points and it's not treated that way. Yeah. Uh, and show emotion in in a different way and yeah and the thing is like when you think about it can you compare it to things like the way valkyrie's drinking problem is handled in ragnarok Mm -hmm. so like it's shown as she's got she's drinking because life has been so hard on her and she's dealing with all the stuff that has happened to her and it's sort of like through the movie and through being able to help again and rediscover who she was she can recover from that Mm. and like it, it makes light of all the other issues. Like, because it's not just he, that he's fat; he also has a terrible drinking problem, and he's given up on life. Mm-hmm. Like, those are and, and the thing which is, also is like the opposite of everything he went through in Ragnarok. Yeah, like they completely take away everything he went through in Ragnarok. Meanwhile, Valkyrie is now like leading everybody and the king after five years, and we don't get to see any of that happen. No, which is annoying because Heimdall. Um, remember when I re-reviewed Ragnarok and I was like, Heimdall should be the king of Asgard, yeah. and obviously he gets killed in Infinity War, so he can't be. But um, I mean, and I, you know, of anyone to leave the hand, you know. In, Asgard's hands in Asgard in the hands of it would be Valkyrie, but yeah. So but yeah, there was that. only last time we saw her, she'd only just stopped being a, a vicious drunk. Yeah, like you we know, also don't know how she survived the events of um, or where War. she was. Yeah, That's so, so we, we don't haven't learned anything there. Um, the yeah. other thing, the other thing, the other character who I think gets short shrift, well. There's a couple, but um, the way that they did Hulk in this movie really irritated me as well, largely because the CG wasn't very good. Oh, okay. And it was driving me bananas. He looks so terrible. Like, he... he I didn't mind it. I really did not mind Hulk. I thought he was very Jennifer Walters-y, so she-Hulky. Um, it reminded me of – I liked that they'd gone down – like, the five-year time jump, when you first see it, is a real, like, mind f- Having done that, I like that they went down that route of making him Hulk and Bruce one person. Yeah, it takes away for me. It takes away everything that's interesting about him. Um, he's he's kind of crass and like and callous, and I didn't like that. Um, I didn't like the and yeah, the CG was bad. Which like it doesn't hasn't gotten better since two thousand and twelve, and it's been seven years. The only thing way that that paid off for me was his half-hearted smashing. Like, that was really good. But also, he's too jokey, I think. Like, he's always been the one who, um, like, has been the the smart doctor one who, like, is in touch with people's feelings more, which is ironic because he's not in touch with his own and has yeah, the which whole is thing. Why and, and he and Tony worked well together because he was able to bring that compassion to the table that Tony right. doesn't always and have. and he doesn't have that in this. Like, there's a moment sort of at the beginning with Thor, but for most of the movie he's not that guy. He's really quite callous and I found it unpleasant. So I didn't really like him Overall, or him, uh, see, all see, the way, yeah. and the CG was distracting for me. I it just yeah, looked bad. I quite liked Hulk actually. I can see where you're coming from with that because there are a couple of moments that are a bit out of character. I think it wouldn't surprise me if there's like a at some point a movie that's set sort of in that five year gap about Hulk. Like you could totally see them making that because there is such a oh, well. There's lots of interesting things that have happened here. We don't know. But yeah, I yeah, that wasn't one that really bothered me. Okay, so the, to me, those two were the worst. Yeah. Um, in terms of treatment, there's also Nat. Um, yeah, that was the one that, because like, 
Hawkeye's the worst and nobody wants him. Yep. And like it, it and obviously he killed Hiroyuki Sanada who got one scene, yeah. which was really annoying to me. Uh, look, a lot of very famous actors got like one scene I with know. no Ken Jong has no lines I but know. a scene. Although that's like the Russo's being nice to like their community um alums, like because Event Nicole Brown has a great little cameo mm. as well. But like a lot of very famous actors have yeah. very few lines in this movie. So. I completely understand that, yeah. that that Hiroyuki Sonata thing is a just me thing but because also, I love him. Yeah, but also it, it's a very well-known actor to have come in and be killed within a scene. Yeah, um, yeah, but but nobody likes Hawkeye and Hawkeye is even worse in this movie because mm-hmm. he goes off and just kills people at random. But, of course, she has to die partly because we like her and therefore there are stakes, but mostly because he's got a family that they retconned in in the worst of these movies. And so, and who he's now lost in the the great dusting. Can also tell you, I liked this a lot less than Age of Ultron. So, wow, Age of Ultron is possi- is the worst Avengers movie, like <laughs> by far. Anyway, no, we're not going to relitigate that. But um, yeah, like so, I really didn't like that. The other thing is because she dies when she does, which is just about at the end of the second hour, everyone's forgotten about it by the time yep. Tony's death comes around, which is of course meant to have a huge impact and and does but like they've literally forgotten about her and yeah. she doesn't get to be in the final battle um which I is a bit sad it. because you get to have these lovely big scenes of everyone but not her yeah and look the the only thing the only thing that saves that a little bit for me is I don't know whether it was the threat of, or the knowledge that she was going to get killed off in this movie, but Scarlett Johansson does the best acting I've ever seen her do in this movie. Yeah, she's really good. She is unbelievable. That scene where she and Steve are talking about what they have left, she, like, killed me. She was so great. And I was like, who is this person? I never thought she was, like, a bad actress, but that was really phenomenal work. Mm. She and Steve have always had the best like friend chemistry like they just are so good together and that scene i just was blown away by um i think she did such good work in this and that's the only reason that i don't completely hate that arc and some of chris evans who is just such a good actor such a good actor Mm. and we'll talk about all the different times he's great but when uh hawkeye comes back and tells them that she's died um like they have have Bruce, you know, get angry, but like that's just to remind you that once upon a time those two dated in the worst movie that ever happened of the Avengers. <laughs> but um, Chris Evans does this thing where his jaw tightens mm. when he hears the news, and he looks of all the three men who were all close to her in some way, he's the one who you're like, oh, Steve, mm. no. Yeah, he yeah he's great, and they they like I said those two just work really well together. I mean they've mm. worked a lot together in the past as well before the yeah. Avengers. So, but um they're just great together, and like there's a lot of problems. They basically trade her for Gamora, which is really irritating. Well, the and the other the other problem with her death is that her the the original girl in both the Guardians and the Avengers die in exactly the same way, and they die die. They're yeah. not dusted dead. They're dead dead. Yeah, but we get like we We do get Gamora back, which is helpful. Although they're gonna have to the next Guardians movie is obviously gonna have to be how to get Gamora back, but whatever. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, it, it and but the other thing, again, I had a huge problem with the tonal whiplash of that scene because to me, their little suicide games got so ridiculous that it was funny. Yeah, right? yeah. Right? Like they played it out too long. It, stupid, it got yeah. silly, and then she's dead. And also like, I just think these movies don't realize how much people hate movie Hawkeye. Not to be confused with comic Hawkeye. I Matt Fraction's Hawkeye is fantastic and everyone should read it. Um, but movie Hawkeye, nobody likes him. Mm. Well, like, I think they did the know audience, that. Like, the audience is like, 
I kind just, of feel like they did know that and they yeah. sort of went like they were playing on our expectation yeah. that Nat would live. Yeah, yeah. Um, which did make it a more emotionally resonant moment. Yeah. But it was so frustrating because they did that. It, it's, I feel like they took all the wrong lessons from Ragnarok <laughs> in terms of like how to do tone and like jokes. Cause yeah. the, that, uh, the suicide, get, like the, they're yeah. pulling each other back and everything got funny. Right. Yeah. And then it suddenly got super serious and then she was dead. And I was like, what? And then like two seconds later, Rocket's going boo at people and making jokes again. Like it's, it's. Uh, yeah. It's really, really quick. You have um, no and you time, get to, no process time to process that. And yeah, it's actually interesting Speaking of long, wrong lessons from Ragnarok. It's like sort of, I don't want to go back to Thor too much again, but part of the lessons of the whole series of Avengers movies is learning that Hemsworth's funny, mm. but they, they went too far with it this time and it made it Thor a joke. Yes, exactly, yeah. It's always been hard to balance Thor as a character, I think. Mm. But this did not do it. No, it didn't well. do him any favors. Um, so yeah. yeah, that's I like, mean and Thor's always worse when he doesn't have his brother around. Yeah, exactly. To balance him. And the, okay. So I also really think they have a, and I don't know if this is a Russo thing. It doesn't make sense for it to be a Russo thing because Winter Soldier, which is the best um of all of the Marvel movies, is so much about the Steve and Bucky relationship, mm-hmm. right? It's so much about that close friendship. It also establishes the Sam, uh, the Sam and Steve friendship. It is such a good film about male friendship and male female friendship and those re- how those relationships really strengthen us and things, right? Yeah, yeah. What is with this movie's reluctance to like have Steve and Bucky in a scene together or have Thor talk about how he loved Loki or anything like that. It is weird that they don't do any of that stuff because those are the defining relationships for those two characters, right? Apart from like Steve and Peggy. Yeah, the Bucky, Bucky's, first, which I'll get to. Bucky's first line isn't until like that last – like he do, he's in the movie but he actually doesn't have a line until old Steve at the end. I know. Which – and it's very when weird. Bucky comes back to life, he and Steve don't interact until Steve is leaving. Yeah. Right? Like, it's so – and th- they, they also, like, when Steve goes back to the Avengers, yeah. he tells past Steve that Bucky's alive and that's like the watchword. That's what, like, yeah, yeah. you know, shocks past Steve fight. and stops yep. the fight. Um, it's the Martha. Um, <laughs> but um, – <laughs> Except that that fight was great. I yeah, loved no. the fight between past and current Steve. Anyway. I did too. Um, that's America's ass got me. But um, but then he doesn't. He barely interacts with him. And then they do a weird half blood half blood prince thing where like Bucky just stands there and goes, "Sam, you go talk to old Steve," and doesn't go and talk to yeah. him. Which and they, is so yeah. out of character and because and the, so bizarre and it's so unnatural. And also and because of the wedding ring thing and they want to cut into Peggy and Steve, which is lovely. It's a lovely way to end. But it means that the Bucky and Steve haven't had any there's been no closure on that None. relationship. And we're not gonna see we're not going to see Chris Evans's cap again. No. So that was very sad. It's it's like I don't I mean, I really do think that they I think that there's a lot of uh <laughs> like issues around the Stephen Bucky like gay thing that they're trying to work they've been trying to work around for a while. There's also the fact that 
Um, one of the Russos puts himself in this movie as the first openly gay character in the yeah. Marvel canon, which is which is so, so stupid. And I'd forgotten that they'd said that, that there was going to be an openly gay character, so I forgot about it. And I was like, oh yeah, well there wasn't one, so I, I didn't even think about it. And then I saw someone writing about it, um, Gavia Baker Whitelaw, and I was like, oh shit, they did say there was going to be one, and then there wasn't. And then I read it, and I was like, oh, the director cameo. Is it? Yeah. Like, clearly they'd filmed that afterwards and shoved it into the movie. Well, it's also, I think, like a, see, we're not homophobic moment. Yeah. And, it, oh, it was really so weird. Icky. And, and yet, I don't know if was... that director is gay. And I don't think, I see. But I that doesn't really matter because it's really distracting because it's the director yeah. making a cameo. I also don't think, I, I just don't feel like it's a Russo's thing because Winter Soldier, their first film in the canon, doesn't do any of those things. Mm. I feel like it's something that had that was imposed on them. Yeah, right. It would not surprise me. Like it just doesn't feel natural. Like it doesn't feel like that's something that they would do. Yeah. Um. Because Winter Soldier doesn't do it, and Winter Soldier is their first film in in, in this um series, and it's so good. But um, yeah, it was so weird. Yeah. Like it's very awkward, and it feels just very awkward and unnatural. Bucky shows up. We get one shot of him in the fight. Yeah. And then we see him a few times fighting. No, no reunion with mm. Steve. Sam gets a big one, and then Sam gets to be Cap later. Yeah, which I like Sam and Steve as well. I don't dislike that relationship. I just think they're really neglecting some really important things. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So, and yes. then, then we have to come to Steve and Peggy, which I love Agent Carter. Yeah, yeah. Right. So the strong implication of Agent Carter was that Enver Jokai was her husband. Yeah, yeah. Now – I'd forgotten about that, yeah, because that was like a thing, yeah. Right. So there are a couple of options for the ending of this movie. One, Steve went back and got with Peggy and then they got married and she never met Enver Jokai and none of her moving on as a character from Steve ever happened. Or, well, and- or no, he went back to a point at which they weren't dating – and like she wasn't, which she wasn't dating Enver Jukai yet. Yes, that's what I mean. But that that doesn't mean that the events of Agent Carter didn't happen. Well, it, no, but it, yes, it would because a whole huge part of Agent Carter is her not knowing Steve. Oh, or, or like right, yeah. but okay. So there's all the options are like. That the, either that he changed the timeline, she didn't meet her husband, and he just took all of that away, at, or and erased all of that, or that it was always him. Yep, that he went back in time at some point. In which case, he's gone through all of the other movies, just not helping, like what? just quietly ha- being a house husband while all of this stuff goes on, which is the unstevest thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, yeah, and the. The, there's some issues around how this movie does time travel. Oh my god! Yes, and <laughs> what like, and one of them is Hulk does this hand wavy thing of like, well, if you go into the future or the past and and come back again, it, it's happened in your past, but like, so did he go back? You know, it, 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 the, the one thing that got me was like, if he had had married her in the fifties or whatever, say he went back to the fifties and married her, then like. Things like we see her funeral, mm-hmm. for example, and obviously he's not there. But then, if he's rewritten himself into the timeline, but like because of the Hulk hand wavy, but it happens in your past, but they didn't like it didn't happen in their past or something, and like it, he was he would have been there at that funeral, right? Mm-hmm. Presumably, like, and that's the whole the whole point of the ending is that he's buried her, and then he's sort of wandered around until he could find himself in the correct place, you know, as an old man to sit on a bench. Right. That, 
the only way it sort of works is that he is if he set off an alternate timeline and then traveled to our universe from that timeline in order to have that scene somehow. Yeah. Like it, that's the only way that it's not awful, selfish, horrendous behavior. Because I I get really upset by the fact like yeah if, like in the in the seventies when she's running Shield like when they go back to it um like it's very unlikely that even if Steve is aging normally at that point um and. I do wonder how all that works, but if he's aging normally at that point, it, you'd still imagine he would, you know, be helping out. Right. It's not Steve to just not do anything. But then the other, and the, the only other option is like that he went back, took all of her choices away from her, and like she never met and Vegakai never had kids with him because she has children. If 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 well, it's she, not she, always Steve, then she had children with another man, and he's gone back in and another universe. That. Yeah, no, but that's what I mean. It, it, but they they do never identify the husband. No, I know that those are the options. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it's either Steve goes back. He's always been there, but he didn't do anything to help anybody. Or, and he fathered two kids. With and her, he yeah. fathered kids with her, or. He went back, took away her past with Vegakai and the kids that, or whoever it was that she married, and the kids that he had, she had with him. Yeah. In this, it had to be in this timeline, right? That she'd married someone. She believes she married someone else. No, well, it has to be one of those two things in our timeline that we followed. Mm. It has to be one of those two things. Either it was always him, yeah, or he replaced the other person mm. for him to be on that bench. But like he could go. The thing is, he could go back to like 1950 or something. She could have. She met Enver Jokai at like 1946. Yeah. So they could still have met. They just didn't get married. Yeah, but I don't think like they might have met and not got married. But like, if he, if if the only choices are that he, it was always him, or that there was somebody else and he's taken their place, right? Then either way. He comes out looking really bad to me. Right. Either he's erased children from our timeline and taken away her, like, her other life that she had. Yep. Right? And her other relationship and all that. Or it was always him and he just hasn't helped anybody. Yeah. Those are the only, those are the only options. There's right. no other options. Yeah. Okay. For him to be on that bench in our timeline and to have continued through our timeline. Which also doesn't I think make it's sense. most likely that he it was always him and he hasn't helped. But um, I do too. But that's that, I'm like that's not who I know as Captain America. Like as Steve, yeah. he doesn't give over the shield until the end. To know that Tony's out there somewhere dying and that he doesn't help. To know that Thanos is going to snap and erase half of humanity and do nothing about it. Is that well, if he's, Steve Rogers? If he's living in and aging in normal time, there's probably not much he can do at the point at which Tony's dying. Um, he'd be pretty very old by then. So he he and then well that that brings up that a whole range like just excuses. But to that me. sounds like that brings up a whole range of other problems of like if he's aging normally, has that does that mean like like what's happened to the the serum like does the serum stop him from aging? Does it not? Like how does that work? And then yeah, like as that. you age, what does the serum do? Like because I, I can it seems like as he's aged, he's sort of lost his lost certain abilities, and so by the time. Tony's dying about like a week before we actually see him. He's too old to be flying into battle, of course. Sure he is. But that doesn't mean he can't go, hey, by the way, you're going to die in a week on a phone call or something. That's what I mean. Like it doesn't – and he, uh, like, Doctor <laughs> Strange never told him that he couldn't change things. Yeah. Nobody told him that he can't change things in the past because they go and change, change, change things in the past. Like yeah. it's – and also like, the you know, they 
you either have to do alternate universes and you can't go back into that universe. Yep. In which case, Steve shouldn't be, have been on that bench. He should be off in another universe with Peggy. Yeah. So, coming to that, the other time travel thing that sets up a paradox is that Nebula kills her past self. Right. And and still survives. Yeah. So, what does that say? Does that say parallel universe? That kind of seems like parallel universes. Exactly. Which means that Steve shouldn't be on that bench. Or he's come back in from a parallel universe just to say hi and hand over a shield and then leave again. Which is kind of the only way it makes sense, but we don't see any of that happening. So we have to assume he's always been there. Yeah. Yes, because it it seems like he's just waited for the time. Exactly. Because he knew they were going to be there. It seems like, I mean, that, yeah, he didn't, he, yeah, okay. So now, now I've, now it's gone all Spock Prime on me. Yep. Okay. So there's all this, like, it, it doesn't follow its own laws of time travel. It no. doesn't follow its own it rules follow of time any travel. Established or sensible rules of time travel. Let's exactly, be and it makes fun of other time travel movies yes. without making any sense of its own time travel. No, so yeah, that is very irritating to me. But that, that's that's why I can come back to no matter which way it goes, Steve is kind of an awful person if he shows up in our timeline old right. and has married Peggy. Yeah, I see. I didn't actually think about that. So, therefore, I was more like, oh, yeah, it's Steve. I was very sad he didn't get to spend any more time with Bucky. But I was also mostly excited by, like, the whole – we've talked about this before. But, like, Chris Evans in age makeup is really good. Yeah. Because he's a really good actor. He is. He's great. I I think he's great. I love Steve and I love Peggy. But part of the, part of the journey that I've loved so much with them was seeing them overcome that, like, traumatic – you know, experience of and, losing each and other move and move on, on, and on deal and, with their lives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So even though it is really emotionally resonant to see their dance together, it brings up a lot of questions and it it really, really takes away all of Peggy's agency. She doesn't have a line in this movie. She had her own TV show and they put Jarvis from her TV show. They put James Darcy yeah. in this movie as Jarvis, by the way, probably that's that section is probably my favorite. But um <laughs> but um like they they do that, right? But then they negate all of the growth and all of the great things that she did on her own in that TV show, which is awful. Like she had her, made her own choices and moved on with her own life and was her own person. And in this movie, she is just Steve's accessory. Yeah, I don't think that's true. But okay, because we do because see he her in the race seventies like being a total boss. But anyway. yeah, that's true. But um, he has to erase. But he has to have erased her other husband or she never married in Vegokai, which means the show was just kind of implying things that were a lie, but also he didn't go to a funeral. It's it's way too trippy. Um so that seventies section was great, huh? Love yes. the score on that section. Wow. Loved it. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um the uh de aged um John Slattery threw me a little bit. Same. I, I understand why they did it because he's always been in the Iron Man movies while Dominic Cooper was in the Captain America universe mm. which i get it um and, and john slatter is a really good actor and also his accent's better <laughs> because he's actually american i don't think he's a better howard but also it, it's weird because he's not the howard who goes with james darcy as jarvis no, and, yeah, that, and that's, Peggy. that's the bit that throws you because yeah. yeah then he steps into the captain america universe and it's weird but um it, it's such a sweet scene between the two of them it is and that the the stakes were too low for that little heist, but it is the most, the tightest bit, the most emotionally resonant resonant bit, and like 
it has a rhythm mm. that none of the rest of the film quite has. Yeah. Like I would have been happy with a lot of the rest of the film not there and half an hour of Steve and Tony in the 70s trying to get yeah. that. Like because that was so much more um, relaxed yeah, and so much more like they weren't just ticking boxes but it felt real and necessary to the story and really cool and interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, much character work. And it's also so reminiscent of the best of the Marvel films, which is Captain America, the first yeah. Avenger. So like, yeah. I still like Winter Soldier better, but I also but, like the first Avenger but it's, a lot. But with the time, you know, going back in time mm. and stuff, it's much more reminiscent of that mid-century mm. kind of feel. Um, it also features the delightful Yvette Nicole Brown cameo. Yeah. Um, a completely um, throw you off Michael Douglas de-aging cameo. Yes. Terrible hair. But yeah, it, that is, that is actually really fun. Um, I also really appreciate that they did something for the international audiences. There is a moment before that happens that Tony looks at Steve and goes, Garden State. I'm like, what the fuck is Garden State? But then they explained that Garden like New, they mean New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, thank you. Because oftentimes Americans like will just say stuff that they think that other people understand because Americans understand it and they don't. And I really appreciated that tiny, tiny moment when Ant-Man says, what's happening in New Jersey? Mm. So that was nice too. Yeah. So something that I did enjoy that I think we're going to disagree on because we have different feelings about the um, this particular character is Ant-Man. Most of the time, there was a couple of times he went too far and, and it really annoyed me, but he had to carry the comic ball, the comedic ball in this film. But Ant-Man is kind of the comedic center of this universe. So I was okay with that. But, um, yes, what were you going to show me? Uh, in my loves, the fourth note is, weirdly, Scott, even though Ant-Man is the least favorite of my films, uh, yeah. my least favorite of, oh, the, okay. of the series. Scott, um, his humor seems very in um, in character and it works with his optimism. He mm. hasn't been there for the snap. He hasn't been there for the five years. He doesn't of- know about the stones. Exactly. So he, he can be funny because he doesn't have all the weight of this on him. And not just that, his his daughter is still alive. The one thing he was worried about, like his his girlfriend isn't, but his daughter is still there. And, but also he he is the one who he already has an idea of how to fix it. So he has all this optimism that nobody else has had for yeah, a while. Yeah. So it makes sense for me, to me, for him to still be happy and joking mm. and stuff because he's come in and he's like, oh, something crappy has happened, but I have a way to fix it, right? Yeah. His uh, reunion scene with Cassie, so good. Like finally I'm like, oh, God, they're finally really using Paul Rudd well. I, I really liked it, but the hard thing is that, it's a completely different actress playing Cassie and we've really gotten attached to the little girl. I mean, we definitely get attached to the little girl playing Tony's daughter, which we'll get into in a minute. But like it was – you've got to take – takes you a second because like she looks really different. But, yeah. But the, the scene where they actually re- – is extremely sweet. But that's why I – that's why it's all on Paul Rudd and he does such a good yeah. job for me. Um, he is great in this film. Like he does such a good job of, of – and he manages to be emotionally centred – but still funny. Yeah. Unlike a lot of, that's why I don't like the Thor yeah. and Hulk stuff, but he is still very much like his emotions make sense for what's going on. And he feels very, um, yeah, very centered. And, and, and so his jokes yeah. it's, aren't mean to it, me. Yeah, I think it's also interesting. Like Hemsworth is an actor who's got decent comedic instincts. Mark Ruffalo is a really good actor who can do comedy. Paul Rudd is someone who has a comedy background. Mm. 
And so he knows how to make those beats work, mm. but he's also very experienced and a really good actor. Um, plus, his flirting with Captain America is freaking the best. It's amazing. I love it. And yeah, that. But that also feels very much like he, like he can still do that. He hasn't had that. You yeah, know. he doesn't have the baggage, and he can be the funny one. Yeah. So yeah, no. Yeah. And he was one of the things I loved the most about this movie, which yeah. is weird because I don't really enjoy the Ant Man films that much yeah. but in this i thought he was great yeah and it means that they could have the wonderful joke during the final battle where he um like click does the clicker and the like a karacha play yeah luis's van which is freaking adorable yeah but also like for him it the, the fact that for him it hasn't been five years yeah big difference. it makes so much more sense for his character to be mm. the way he is so yeah, yeah. yeah i i no, i totally i loved him in this i thought he was great um he's um yeah, the the optimism, his humor came out of optimism. Yeah, which I appreciated a lot more than the cynical nastiness of the laughing at Thor stuff. Yeah, and um, the and the cynic and Rhodey and um, particularly Rocket. Rocket's always like that. Like yeah. Rocket always carries the cynic ball, but Rhodey does as well. Although, I mean, I think at least Rhodey gets freaking something to do in this movie, which is an yeah. improvement um, on previous things. But And he also has possibly the best line of the whole movie when he lands and um, Scott is trying to eat his tacos and Rhodey's like, hello, regular-sized man, yeah. which is just absolute gold. And, Mo- and uh, Rhodey has to do some of the mean to Thor stuff, but most of his humour is not quite as mean. Um, mm. And there is there is one I did, but I did write some down that were actually like less – so um, the Tony Tony calling Thor Lebowski. That's like a way of making a joke, but that, that doesn't isn't about his weight. It's more about like the, he's wearing a you know a dressing gown and has let his hair grow out. Yeah, but there's there it's, are some. It's both, but yeah, yeah. it's yeah. definitely a much kinder joke than a lot of the other jokes. Yeah, and and uh, Rhodey has a couple of kinder lines about Thor, but then they do get ruined by um. What do you think's running through my veins? And he, uh, Thor says, "What do you think's running through my veins?" And Rhodey's like, "Cheese whiz," and that kind of undermines it. But yeah, he, um, yeah, he, his humor has become bitter. But that makes sense for where the character has been, like losing the ability to walk and having to have the legs. And then also in the last one, where he has to, he's like the last remaining person, like interfacing with the um, the secretary and the government, and he's like, "Nah." Yes. So you kind of you see the journey to where he becomes the more cynical one, but um, yeah, it's not it's not so much the cynicism that I don't like as just like you know, fat jokes. Yes, <laughs> the fat phobia in this film is just off the charts. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think the other person that we really have to talk about in this film, since we've kind of been going through character by character, is Tony. Oh, yeah, which makes sense to go last. There is something to, again. This is my cynicism coming through. But there is something so selfish to me about this, their decision to bring everybody back five years later. Mm. Only, and it's it to me, it's the only reason they do that is so Tony gets five years with his daughter because they know they're going to kill him. Yeah. Um. Yes. I mean, it's and it's the other weird thing is that everybody comes back and they've been like, you know, maybe passed out for like. 30 seconds yeah and they haven't aged at all but everyone they know and love has aged five years so like you'll have a uh Frigga and thor scene which until the last line is actually a really nice scene uh-huh <laughs> except they need to make a fat joke in the last line because why not but you'll have that situation where like the person like 
so Hawkeye goes back to his family, but he's he's had five years of being an assassin and getting a sleeve tattoo and a mohawk and all. Which, by the way, made the one of the best tricks I've seen is like. I know he's called Ronan in the comics, but they really should just call him Mohawk Eye, which is just great. But, like, in practic- practical terms, like, if you haven't seen someone for five – I mean, Cassie and um, Ant-Man would be like that, actually. But if you haven't seen someone for five years and you've lived through five years of grief and all this other shit and, like, basically the world ending and having to figure out how to keep the world going – and then they just come back like, oh, I was throwing a baseball around two seconds ago and um, something must have happened. It's a weird choice to have them not have aged at all. Yeah. You've got half a world going through an, an unbelievable amount of trauma. No, half a, sorry, half a universe going through an unbelievable amount of trauma and half of it coming back having not experienced ha- any of that trauma. I know. It's going to cause massive clashes Yeah, between people on an in, in, on a level i did tony being a dad though was freaking adorable it's like the cutest right yes and she's adorable and obviously morgan's gonna come into it in the future but then also there's the horrible like knowledge that a four and a half year old is losing her dad and so she's not gonna remember him like okay so he's left some ai versions of himself around and things like that but like it's horrible yeah it's really really upsetting It really does seem to me that they only do that so that Tony can get five years with his daughter yeah. before dying. Yeah, which is and good. It's, it's good for him. Like, it's good for him to have a kid. Like, definitely one of the things to do to Tony Stark to give him, make his life interesting or throw a challenge at him, give him a kid. Like, that's great. But, yeah. But, see, that to me is that cynical box ticking that I was talking about. Yeah. Where you're like, there's no other logical reason. There's no reason for everybody to go along with this so easily is the only thing they can do to bring everybody back five years later Mm. instead of doing what they know they can do and fixing it five years ago yeah the only reason to do that is so that tony gets five years with his kid and like and you know you're erasing probably millions of people that have been born since then but like Mm. it it's so like you're also erasing five years of ridiculous amounts of trauma and a universe that's falling apart yeah um it's it's like how the only reason that they have Nebula's, you know, orange strip, um, orange no her her there's no reason for her her eye computer oh right to sync up yes yes except to let Thanos know so that we can have a big battle at the end Thanos yeah right like there's no other reason for that to happen so it's. It, to me, that is that kind of. I I know that I'm cynically ticking off boxes, but I feel like the movie's doing that too. Mm. Like oh, and and there's something about this movie as well that feels very PC and episodic. There's it's not really everybody working towards one goal for a long time. It's first we have to deal with the actual ending of Infinity War, which is the first 15 minutes. And then, oh, everybody's dead. And then, oh, we have to do the time traveling so we can fix what happened in Infinity War. We'll bring everybody back. And then the last fight, they even introduce in the last fight a scene, a moment of stakes where, like, they have to try and get uh, Tony's Infinity Glove to the van Mm -hmm. to take it back in time to get rid of the stones. Yes, but they just end up not doing that and doing it later. And the, that is what also then inspires the, to me, incredibly irritating girl power moment oh where they're just God. like, let's just throw all the female characters together, even if it doesn't make any that sense. That was so patronizing. So patronizing. And annoying. Yeah. And especially as like some of them are people we've barely seen. Like 
Gwyneth as rescue. That is someone who has had, to this point, about five minutes of screen time in the entire MCU. Like, she's worn that suit for several, a few minutes in Iron Man 3. I think that was it. Yeah. It's the only time she's ever worn it. So, this isn't an established hero or anything. It's just someone who Tony's building a suit for and suddenly in the final battle, she's, like, really good at deploying the suit and doing stuff and saving Spider-Man and all that. And, like, it starts off with a really good line from Brie Larson, um, who we should talk about too, but where Peter Parker's like, hi, I'm Peter Parker. And she's like, hey, Peter Parker, you got that something was, for me? And it was freaking adorable. That was my favorite moment in the whole film. I'm not joking. The but two just of that <laughs> meeting was really, really sweet. Um, but then it was felt so on the nose. It oh, was I hated gross. It. And it just was like bleh, vomit. Um, and then like Wasp, who we've seen two seconds before working with Ant-Man trying to get the quantum <laughs> van up and running, just – has time to buzz on over and turn up at the end just so that they can get the shot of, and in which they say, oh, look, we have lots of women in our movies. And it's that thing that I used to call Moffateering because Stephen Moffat was really bad at it, but it's Feige, Marvel are bad at it too, where they like act like they're totally progressive and have mm-hmm. lots of diverse characters and shit. Yeah, Russo they, is the first gay character. And they don't. They yeah, don't. No. No, yeah, it's act classic moffateering except that I'm almost wanting to move on to calling it feigeing. It just it's well, it's really really yuck. Yeah. In a, in a universe that didn't give us a female solo movie for 20 movies. Mm. In a, and and who and that female solo hero in this movie is not very well deployed not, because not because they hadn't filmed her movie yet when they filmed this. And so it just feels like Carol gets dropped in. And the only real moment of Carol we get is that moment when she's like, hey, Peter Parker, have you got something for me? Yeah. Is the only real Carol moment that we get. And she just very much feels tacked into this movie. I'm like, guys, you just fucking can't. You don't get to, like, claim victory when you've spent the last however long deliberately not doing this thing. Yeah. No, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at what they did with Denai Gurira in this movie. Like, oh, Okoye the- is my favorite character. They do nothing with her. She has nothing to do. And worse worse than that, um, Denai Gurira had to, like, go out on the press tour with everybody. Yeah. And they left her off the poster and, like... No, that- she's in the poster. No, she remembered the original poster she was left off. Oh. And, it- and they were like, oh, sorry, we made a mistake, and they re-released it. But it wasn't really a mistake. She really does have a tiny part in this yeah. movie. But in order to make themselves look like they were more diverse and whatnot, they put her out on the press tour with everybody else mm. to like make make it seem like, oh, yeah, she's definitely heaps in this movie. But she's not. No, she's not remotely. Um, and, yeah, that was – yeah, the treatment of women in this movie is very not good. Um, no. Because it's not – like the thing is Nat's the only female member of the original team and she just gets offed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and especially following on from the last movie, where the only member of the original Guardians team, who's a woman, also gets just offed. Yeah, true. Nebula, I feel like, is also an original Guardians. She's an original Guardians cast member. True. And I don't think that that should be like I. I Nebula actually gets something to do in this film. Yeah, which is good. Um, and it's really interesting to see her growth. So, yeah, I don't want to like not include her in the conversation because she she, actually yes she is very interesting and like because you kind of see like her and rocket come into this team because well nebula was with tony and rocket was with thor and and Hmm. with them all in wakanda but like they haven't been a part of this and you see that the separate Mm. separateness of them from the team so there is and there's that whole like fake out of like who's nebula gonna betray them and all that stuff 
but she doesn't. I don't think it's ever really faked out whether ne- the, our current nebula betrays them. No, but um, like th- th- I, th- I like that they didn't do that, that they didn't go, oh, maybe she's betrayed us kind of a thing. Like no, they, they there's didn't. no point in which they were sort of like, oh, Nebula's an evil person, so true. we shouldn't trust her. I certainly her. felt like they were going to, though. Yeah, but, but they didn't, which is No, they, they didn't, good. that's and true. And also Karen Gillan does a great job of acting under ridiculous amounts of makeup. Like she does a really good job of conveying a lot of really complicated things with Nebula under yeah, uh, very she, difficult circumstances. She's so good a, job. She's gotten a lot better. Yeah. Because there's a scene with her, like the 2014 uh, Gamora and Nebula scene that they read shoot for this. Like mm. neither of them are particularly strong actors. Neither her nor Zoe Saldana are particularly strong in that scene. Mm. And um, yeah, she does it. I think um, sort of whatever 2018 um, traumatized Nebula is pretty good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this movie also like very much cemented Peter Parker as my favorite for me. Oh my he god, he is just my favorite. Like he is a breath of fresh air. Him showing up for anything at any moment just makes everything feel so much better. His reunion with Tony was like again one of the only really emotionally re- resonant moments of this whole film for me. Yeah, there's there's a couple of reveals that happen. The first one is when. Tony gets back to Earth and it's revealed that Pepper survived. Mm. That got to me. I was like, oh, my God, yes. But um, when uh, when they all come together for the final battle and they emerge from the Thanos planet, whatever that was called, I can't remember anymore, from the last movie. So, like, Doctor Strange, you have Quill, mm. you have whoever. And last of all, in swing, Spider-Man is just – that. I thought that was really nicely done. It's really interesting too because um, – Because that's what the audience cares about. That's a reunion with the audience. And yeah. they, we care about him because we cared about him the most in the last one. Because, and that was because of Tom Holland. Mm. Like, he – and, and – I talked about this a bit with Andrew Garfield in his movies as well, but they, they are like so connected with their characters and Tom yeah. Holland's like improvising of his death was so emotional. It was so emotionally resonant in Infinity War that they had to do more with him in this one, which yeah. is also really clever, but it means that like, yeah, that he kind of forced their hand on that stuff yeah, yeah. in so a really for, smart way. This is something we've talked about elsewhere, but listeners might not know the, the line Mr. Stark, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. They were improvised. Yeah, I th- I feel like we might have talked about it on the other. Uh, yeah, I don't know Infinity if we talked War. about it on the podcast or not, but it's definitely something we've talked about. But yeah, yeah that that stuff was like, oh my god, right? And, and so his big return, and then the reunion with Tony and the big hug, and then his reaction to Tony dying is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. He just does such a good job. Yeah. Well, um, the, the reactions to Tony, the Tony. Tony gets a great death scene partly because they've put all these really good actors in there with him mm. because, like, as I've said from, like, the first one, they didn't have to hire Gwyneth Paltrow to play Pepper Potts, but they did and she's really good. And that last bit, like, the last thing that she says to him is, like, she puts on the face of, like, we're going to be okay, like me and Morgan are going to mm. be okay, which is something I think a lot of, like, spouses will do to a, with a dying um like if their spouse is dying and, and going to leave the kids behind because that helps them let go and, mm. and they, it's what the dying person needs. It's not what the surviving spouse needs, but it's what the dying person needs. But then there's her, there's also like Chris Evans reacting in the background mm. with his like, and he does, he's so good. Mm. He's so freaking good. He has like tears in his eyes, but they're not like they haven't fallen. There's other times at which 
he, you can see he's shed a tear, but this one that he's just his eyes glaze over and he can see what's going on. He's just in the background reacting. Mm. It's so good. Yeah, his reunion with Tony when he comes out of the um the ship as well is so good. That is great, great moment and great acting and like our, our kind of original two, you know, coming together like that. Very, mm. very, very well and done. The two of them have um, few little scenes over the course, and just uh, there's a, and the bit where um where they finally kind of make it up and when Tony comes to the Avengers headquarters in his Audi and pulls up at the door and Steve's in the the white shirt that we both saw him come on stage with and we're like <gasps> we both made a noise we were oh, both like <laughs> oh boy and um that scene as well where like Tony's something something about uh, I didn't resentment wasn't worth it or we were taking a lot of energy and Cap's like I feel the same way and they kind of shake hands on it they the, those two actors have a couple of little good little one-on-one yeah. scenes but i think also pepper's final scene with tony mm. is a is a culmination of her arc which is at least she gets to culminate her arc like yeah. the fact that she has accepted he that he is a hero and that he will always want to help mm. and that you know that he died helping and that's what he had to do although he didn't i mean there's so many characters there who could Captain put on that glove marvel is right there she's just been knocked out by thanos but she is clearly still invulnerable to everything and also flies through space without a helmet they don't even mention the helmet in this one she's right there she could definitely put that on with very little consequences yeah the fact that tony had to be the one to do it is silly um yeah and it is just so that it's just so that that he can they can close off the iron man arc which is what they need to do because and they have to and he had to do the rock on which they built their church he had to make the sacrifice play because that's his that's his arc that's his arc he had to Uh, i think uh, with gwyneth i think it's also interesting um, with Pepper, sorry, <laughs> because when you hire Gwyneth Paltrow, she doesn't show up in these movies unless she's got something to do mm. because she doesn't act really anymore except for these movies, right? She doesn't have to sh- show up for this shit. So she's got the kind of lawyers who will negotiate, you know, I need, I actually need some character growth. I need some of this. I need to be, get to be a superhero or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so because she showed up, they have to step up for her. Yeah, and to and she pushes him to help as well, uh-huh. which I think is amazing. Like it's so interesting to see her come, like to see her grow on that. It's great. So yeah, and they always had such good chemistry anyway. They, so. They're so great together. They're such a good pair, the mm. two of them. They work, so they play off each other really well. They're age appropriate love interests as yes. well. Like it all, they just work really nicely together. It's just a shame it had to come at the expense of that selfishness. That means that, like you know, yeah anyway yeah um i'm just gonna go through my notes and see if anything so yeah robert danny jr like just at the beginning from the beginning his acting choices as well like the way that he reaches for the mask and his hand shakes and it shakes as he puts runs his thumb over it and stuff is all really beautiful yeah i found the musical choices in this movie really weird yeah i mean they've got to bring in all the other scores no not the score the 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 song choices yeah like that they go for dissonant every time yeah. tonally dissonant every time i didn't really understand why they had to go for that every time yeah um, it, it, well, i mean it felt very guardiansy yeah. um yeah and also uh, like what are the odds of hawkeye's entire family dying but anyway well i was wondering about that because like 50 percent of people die but like there's five of the hawkeyes and one of them and all bar one of them die like it, it obviously you know it's at random of every second person but like yeah sometimes you're like really all four of them went yeah like and 
it's not gotten into because like there's not like there's not enough actors already in this film but like i want to know if um if judy greer and bonnie bobby cannavale survived right well also like when we watch the next spider-man movie that's coming out soon like it has to have been that did may go through five years without peter did I really want to know that because like, clearly Ned and MJ haven't aged. Because one of the things I, th- I talked about when we reviewed Infinity War is part of what you see go across Robert Downey Jr.'s face when Peter is dying is that I promised his aunt I'd keep him safe. Mm. And I don't know. We don't know. We, we, we'll, I guess we'll find out in Homecoming. I think from what I understand from what people are saying, and again, it's Feige, so you can't really trust him, but what they're saying is that Homecoming is about exploring what the world is like after this has happened. But as we've discussed, there's got to be some shit going down. Like it, where like half the world has experienced the most five years of the most horrifying trauma and post-apocalyptic life. And the other half of the world is just like, hey. oh man, I fainted for a bit and then shit had gone down when I was away. <laughs> and now I have a five-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh God. Anyway. Yeah. So like, I'm, I don't know. I'm just reading through my. I made. I didn't really make notes the first time, but I was. I made them on the second time round, <laughs> so that I could get some of the the lines down. But most of the lines I made sure I wrote down so that I could remember some of the more egregious fat jokes. Unfortunately, I have also written down things like, "Didn't Thanos also wipe out plants? Are other beings sharing this resource-laden Wonderland that he's living in?" Yeah. Well, if not, didn't he just lie? We, he wiped out half the plants. If he wiped out half the plants. It defeats the purpose of his thing in the about first not having enough resources. Place. Exactly, but he's clearly wiped out, wiped out half the birds because they the the, the, the one yeah, shining the, moment the birds are all, it's half of all living creatures is what yes. they say. But the animals, I get. Yeah, so right? he's wiped out half the animals, but he clearly didn't. But living creatures clearly means not plants, I guess. But Groot, um, ah. he has to have wiped out half the plants because Groot died. Well, but Groot is. A species. He's not just a plant. Like he's not. He's a, a plant species. Eh, I don't know. I he mean, is a no. He's a plant-based species. He's a tree. He's just a sentient tree. Yeah. So he wiped out half of all sentient life on Earth. But he didn't say sentient. No, he said living creatures. Right. I don't know. He has to have wiped out. I, I'm sure I read somewhere that no, he wiped I, out I, half I, the plants. I think the Groots are a race rather than a plant. Like I'm pretty sure they're, like the they're ants, plant-based. Like it's a la- whole language. You can take it as an elective. Yes, but it, they're still plant-based. Yeah. Um, I also wrote if they had just worked faster and not sat around for a month, maybe they could have done something. Mm. Like there's a whole month between Tony floating around in space and coming back and then them going after Thanos they didn't have to wait for Tony to get back. Um, yeah. Yeah, the time timing there is weird. Also, also, they oh get boy. to Thanos, they finally cut off his hand and then cut off his head, and then in the final battle, nobody tries to cut off his hand again. I know. And that, and that was – it was so annoying because that was the end of Infinity, Infinity War. Everyone's like, cut off his hand, and then they do it, and then they don't – Right? Yeah, I know. They just go back to making the same dumb mistakes again. Instead, it was the Tony Baton switch with his um, gauntlet. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Steve in that um, – I mean, we talked about Russo's gay cameo, but Steve yep. in that scene is great. I mean, yes, because he's Chris Evans, who's <laughs> freaking amazing. I know, but, uh, you know, you I just him. thought I'd mention that Steve is, like, super accepting and wonderful in that scene. Yeah, yeah. And, like, oh, and, just doesn't and, even, you know. And that's actually – I never got to talk about it, but the Cap versus Cap battle where he fights himself from uh, the 2012 Avengers era, mm. 
the way it shows character growth, like he walks out and before we know what he's seen, he says, oh, you're shitting me. You've got to be shitting me, which is just adorable. I love that because in the worst of these films, there's the whole thing about Captain Luke swearing. So so he walks out like that. And then there's the the just the wonderful line that got such a laugh every time that was, uh, I can do this all day. Yeah, I know. Like <laughs> yeah. that 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 little battle, that the way Steve has changed and grown. Mm. And and this is why the whole like going back and living with Peggy thing does feel a bit regressive in some ways because he really worked through that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he could have just come back and been like this cranky old bastard who didn't know how the world works, but he made a real effort to mm-hmm. learn how the world works and how things have changed and like live in the world that he's in and get on with life. Mm. My favorite line in the movie is actually one from, um, from Nat where um, Tony, I think says, have you ever learned? Um, no, no, yeah. Have you ever learned quantum physics? And that goes only to make conversation. And I'm like, what? Yeah. That's yeah it's, it's Ant-Man. When Ant-Man, Ant-Man first arrives, he yeah. says, so. Yeah, I loved it's it. It's fantastic. I also loved. Yeah, there's a see, couple of lines in there where there's a bit. Oh, wait, no, it's actually not in that scene. It's the one later on where everybody's on the, all the AIs are on the phone to her. Mm-hmm. Might That might be earlier. She it's has earlier. a line that made me go, did Whedon get involved in this movie again? I thought he was in DC Universe. And it's something like. We're all a bit something. It's just the way – and I was just like, wait. Well, I got super excited when they were talking about – We're all a little fragile. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sorry. You got super excited when um, – When they t- were talking about the time heist. But unfortunately, the time heist was nowhere near as cool as I thought it was going to be. Whatever. No, it wasn't. It wasn't really a heist. No. But there, <laughs> it wasn't well planned. There wasn't – we didn't know what the rules were, so there wasn't enough tension around it. Oh, God. When – Thor was like talking to everybody and going through the photos and talking about Natalie Portman, Jane and stuff. And it was so cringy. I hated that. Well, it was really bad because like, that's a serious thing. And he's, it's another person that he's lost in his life. And they've just, because they want Hemsworth to do camp to do comedy, they've made Thor a joke Mm -hmm. and it's the worst. And, Part of the thing of Ragnarok is that they didn't make Thor a joke. Mm. Thor was good at jokes, but he wasn't a joke. That said, I did very much appreciate the Taika Waititi cameo as Korg. <laughs> like, it was not, like, because of everything else that's going on, it's really annoying, but it's still really fun that he's there because he's always fun. He didn't do anything wrong. He no. just plays video games and gets yeah. Thor to threaten no. somebody over the but video. The, and, yeah, like, the, that yeah. was cute. He yeah, didn't. yeah. But, of course, because of everything else that's going on, mainly Rocket being super mean, mm. um, he kind of... It, yeah, gets overshadowed. Still, it's everybody. I mean, the audience went crazy when Korg showed up. Oh yeah, I I liked the bit. Yeah, I, there was a mo- there was that moment there when I got really excited, and it was the time heist, and then you know Tony goes, oh, I can't help everybody, and Pe- and um, Pepper's like, it seems to me like you can help everybody. That whole section, I was like, oh, the movie's gonna get good. Unfortunately, and. and yeah, but um, but um, and then Tony went after he shows up and makes his big entrance. He said, um, "You wanted to send Lang through time, but you ended up pushing time through, through Lang. Lang." Yeah, which was great and a great line. I yeah. really liked that. And it comes back later on when um Thanos attacks them after they've done after Hulk's done the, the first snap, mm. and he says, "You mess with time, it's going to mess back." Yeah. So yeah, that was interesting. Mm. The taco gag I liked as well. Yeah, the taco gag was really sweet. And it also gave Thor one of his 
uh, no, Hulk, one of his few human moments where he gives his two tacos to mm. Scott so that Scott will have tacos, but then he wanders off and he's barefoot mm. as well, which is kind of adorable. Yeah, also him in the back of the car was pretty funny. And then we get into, yeah, anyway, new Asgard. And everybody's like, yay. And then we actually see Thor. And a lot of us are like, oh, no. Actually, that all reminded me a lot of, um, did you watch Battlestar Galactica? Like, yeah. 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 So, you know, when it was Fat Lee? Oh, yes. Yeah. That reminded me a lot of the Fat Lee uh, stuff. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that. Although they, you know, Battlestar Galactica was a TV show and they had more time to yeah. sort of look into it. And examine yeah. that, but they yeah. weren't nearly as mean on no, that they with Fatley. Overtly mean, yeah. And that was oh, was the worst. And of course, like the audience found it really funny. And I've read from other critics as well. Like the, all the fat jokes were great laughs from people. And in our cinema, it was about fifty fifty. Yeah, it was kind um, of sprinkled through yeah, laughs. And I, I noticed the same this afternoon as well. It was not everyone was laughing no was, some people was, find it really uncomfortable and other yeah, people, and other find, people it find it really funny but uh, yeah according to a couple other reviewers i've read as well they, the audiences seems like they're just yeah it's not oh good um when they do the have the line six stones three teams one shot and then we both went oh this is the shot <laughs> yeah 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 like of everybody you know heroically walking um <laughs> i just i've just remember yeah some of the things i wrote down were tony's a lot of Tony's lines, but where is the one about Doctor Strange? Ear, nose, and throat meets rabbit from a hat is how yeah. he describes Doctor Strange. I'm just like, that is so perfect. I mean, and Doctor Strange, because he's so like arrogant and powerful and whatnot, that's a good target to make jokes like that yeah, about. But exactly. also, it's not mean. It's just funny. Yeah, exactly. That's like, not mean. It's like when he calls the wizards, you know, it's funny. That's how, that's how you like make fun of someone, but also like not be mean about it but also he's making fun of what he does not who he is yeah exactly and what he looks like um no. i also wrote that you know they come into a full circle moment with the full circle shot from the Ugh. first avengers yeah yeah um yeah. which i don't know if they meant to do that but anyway yeah um yeah that i was expecting so much more out of that of going back to the Avengers. Exactly. Because, yeah, I mean, that's the movie. Like, that's the team-up movie. Right. And so they, they had so much that they could have done with mm. going back to that fight, but they ended up just kind of skimming through, like, the Caps fight each other. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's America's ass made me laugh, laugh both times it's said, but especially when, when Steve says it about his own. <laughs> The way he I, – I watched this time, the way he so looks good. down at his own butt as well, like he cut – there's a lot goes across Chris Evans' face about like, oh, wow, look how far I've come and all that. But he's also like, yeah. <laughs> um, it's great. I, I love that. It. I love that. So great. And and like comparing the Hulks. But we didn't go on this journey with Hulks, so it feels yeah, kind of a bit uh, yeah. cheap. And that's what where I, I think I was coming around. Like the, the hardest thing about Hulk just suddenly becoming – Hulk and Bruce all at once is that we just didn't see it happen. Mm. And he's he's just very like callous and doesn't seem to care that mm. so many people died. And that doesn't seem like Bruce to me. Anyway, yeah. did we get like a, you know, that great opening scene of Guardians of the Galaxy that they replay in this? Yes. I don't understand why making fun of him for like dancing around and singing while he's doing the heist again feels a little too mean to me. And it's crisp. I mean, it's one of my least favorite characters. It's yeah. Star-Lord. But still, like, you yeah. know, he's not really being an idiot. He's no, just he's just doing his having fun job. while he does his job. Yeah. And it's... it's Doesn't a, know he's being watched. It's also one of the really nice introductions in the MCU. 
Yeah, and so you, and then you have to see it from their perspective with his like vaguely off key singing and no which actual music, funny. which is cute it's- and funny. And I, the other thing is Pratt would think that's funny. Yes, like yeah, he, and he's not like making fun of himself. It's but the actually- line that. I think they didn't need the line on the end for us to find it funny. No. That he's an idiot line. No, no, no. We get to see a lot of people back. Um, oh, we saw Sitwell. Boy. Natalie we Portman s- comes back. Natalie Portman Renee very Russo. briefly. Yeah. Callan Mulvey. Yes. Oh, I, my notes. Hi, Callan Mulvey. Mine too. And Jasper Sitwell. Um, I don't remember Jasper Sitwell's actor's name. Yeah. I mean, so, so many people. They make a straight-up reference to the uh, one of the really unpopular comic book arcs as well, which is the um, Hydra Cat, like yes! Hydra Captain America. I thought that was great. Which is really, really clever. It's a really funny little yeah. nod without being overt and yeah. gross. So another comic nod, which is interesting, is um, at the end of the phone call, the AI phone call or whatever, the hologram phone call, everyone hangs up except Carol and Rhodey and Carol turns to Rhodey and says good luck. And mm. that references a comic storyline where those two hook up. Oh, right. But in this one, Carol gets a haircut. Oh, she which does. Which is the lesbianist haircut I've ever seen, but is wonderful. She looks so good with the short hair. She does. Like, they should keep that short hair. The short hair and the power suit at the funeral? Oh, my God. That should stay. The short hair needs to yeah. stay. But um, actually, speaking of Carolyn, I didn't notice this, but Jelly pointed out to me, she wears, in the beginning when she rescues Tony, mm. she wears her suit from her own movie. Mm. And the rest of the film, she wears a different suit. Mm. Like, and, and he was, he's, you know, got up trying to work out a whole alternate universe theory of how that fits together. But I think it was just a mistake on the part of the filmmakers and it just reflects the whole Carol was dropped into this movie, barely knowing what was going on. But they have given her a new suit for later on in the movie. I didn't notice, but whatever. No, no. Um, I also wrote um, Robert Redford, Holy Balls, because Robert Redford saw, uh, scene for this film. Yeah, one scene. Like, yeah, Robert Redford and... Um, the- Can you imagine getting Robert Redford in for one scene he of gets, your movie? Yeah, I know. And he gets a really good billing spot as well. Because the billing at the end on the fancy credits is, like, there's no post-credit sequence, but it's worth sitting through those just to watch the billing go past because all the big dogs get to be at the end. So, like, Robert Redford and Michelle Pfeiffer get their own cards right at the end. Robert Redford actually has a line. Michelle Pfeiffer doesn't. No. And they, get and they their- both get whiffs. And they, they both get a whiff. And a title card. But what I found was interesting was the other person who gets a with is Chris, Chris Pratt. Pratt, who also has very small part in this movie. I mean, at least he's technically one of the superheroes, but he's the last one to get a card. Mm. Yeah, and he gets really good billing as well. Mm. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, um, I noticed that on um, Infinity War as well. He gets like disproportionately good billing. Although yeah. so did Idris Elba, bless his heart. Yeah, but yeah, anyway. but he's, and he's a big movie star, so I can see why. But yeah. Um, So there's a line that Frigga has. By the way, I had feelings also about Frigga because you know I loved her. Yeah, yeah. And I was really upset when she was fridged. Mm. In this film, she – I don't know what it is to go – but I feel like we should go into the fact that that when they went back in time, they all talked to, like, powerful women in the different timelines and, like – because they talked to Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Like powerful dead oh, women. Yeah, Tilda Swinton films a tiny cameo in this movie. Tiny part in this movie. Um, yeah. Well, see, I was more thinking about people who talk to their parent, their dead now dead parents in the past. But, yeah, that works too because Tony obviously goes back and has the big conversation with his dad. Yeah, true. But Thor has the big conversation with his mum. 
Yeah. Um, but there's a line in that where she says, the measure of a hero is how well they succeed at being who they are. Oh, yeah. Not who they're supposed to be. I, I really yeah, like. I this, is the, this is why the eat a salad line is so egregious. Hate it. it. You know what? It might even be 80 yard. Because it's sort of said from behind and it's really tacked on at the end and mm. it just and it ruins this wonderful scene that they've had about nobody becomes who they're supposed to be. The best you can do is try to be who you are. Yeah. And it's beautiful and she's really good with it and she's compassionate with him as mm-hmm. well. Like she sees that he's been through some shit. Mm-hmm. One of the very few people who actually recognize like the scene where he's talking about the ether and they're all just they they're all just like can't even cope with his rambling and stuff but like none of them not one of them all of whom have been through some shit in their lives and dealt with trauma are going geez he's really had it tough this guy is well, having Bruce does but then it goes away yeah that's why and briefly you see cap uh, and um ant-man a little bit too ant-man kind of nods encouragingly like trying to get him to keep talking you know how yeah. um you do that in sometimes in meetings when you can see the presenter's dying you're like you try and like show a bit of to get them going but like yeah None it's of them. awful. It's so like, mean. I hate Tony, it. Tony, of all of them who, who've appeared drunk in a press conference or at some important meeting, you'd think Tony might have a bit of compassion as to why that would happen to someone. Yeah. I wrote a note that says Terminator style and it was taking me ages to figure out what it was talking about. But it was talking about travel? Nebula. No, Nebula uh, putting her hand in to get the um, the um, Tesseract. Yeah, yeah. No? What was she getting? Oh, she was getting the purple one from the first yeah, Guardians movie. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that, that's another thing, though. There, there are rules about who, who can touch an Infinity Stone, and like, so that one is obviously she has to put her, she has to burn her hand to get the thing, mm. but it's kept in a little round thing to keep it safe. The Tesseract keeps its stone in a thing to keep mm. it safe. The other one's in a staff. Then, but the Mind Stone, is the Mind Stone. Yeah, Hulk is, just takes. Yeah, the and Clint so, just takes one. The, the Soul, Soul Stone. stone. Hulk, I can see, because the reality stone that Tilda Swinton, like she holds it between her fingers, not mm. actually holding it. Hulk, I can sort of see. Hulk is strong. He could hold an infinity stone. But Clint Barton is ordinary. And he just puts it in his gloved hand and wanders off with it. Yep. There's no there's no consistency in the rules of who can hold an infinity stone, even though the first Guardians makes a whole big thing about it. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> when they also blow up the uh, Tony's house no avengers mansion whatever it's called um when they blow that when thanos comes and blows it up and they nobody is even remotely hurt nobody dies everybody survives i'll just walk off the missiles and explosions i I was ridiculous because i was like oh they're all gonna die and we're gonna have to turn time back again and yeah like nope no, they're we're just going to keep going. Um, the lightning braiding Thor's beard. Oh, that was, was so funny. That got such moment. a laugh, though. Steve getting the hammer was also a oh, big moment. that got a big, yeah. Steve with, Steve with the hammer standing in front of an army and just by himself was one of the best shots of the film, I thought. Yeah. After already being beaten into the ground, that's very – so Steve, which is why his ending doesn't make any sense. Yeah, anyway. it was actually really um, – I got to sitting next to someone this afternoon who I think was seeing it for the first time and who had a lot of the reactions that I had the first time I saw it. Watching his reaction to Steve getting the hammer was just, he just like does dance in his seat, which is I think what I did when Steve got the hammer. And then Thor was like, oh, I knew it. Yeah. It's just the nicest thing. And Thor being excited for Steve to pick up the hammer was yeah. one of the nicest Thor moments in the yeah, film. exactly. In a film that doesn't have a lot of them. Because, um, yeah, and because in other movies he does get excited for people like that. That's he's he's doesn't have a lot of the human hang-ups and so he gets excited about things. I know. Get a callback to on your left. Yep. 
And then all the, I don't know, I, I, when everybody's comes, everybody comes back to help fight. Yeah. Nobody actually says anything and everybody just kind of looks quite dour and serious. Yeah. And it doesn't, and you don't know how all of that happened. Like I was thinking about it afterwards and I was like, what happened there in the five minutes from when they've been brought back to life, not really realizing they died suddenly like everything they're just in the middle of a field right like coming back to life with a bunch of people but half the people that they were fighting like they were with are gone what happens then yeah like does Stephen strange just go and tell everybody like and then they all show up yeah well because they all come through those um Doctor yeah, Strange exactly. portals. So they have to so have perhaps done it that Doctor way. Strange does it that way. But and he can he travels around the different times. But then but, also like he must be so insanely powerful. And has, why he doesn't he just put the glove on? Does he have the um my, does he have the reality stone back again? The time stone? Whatever. He must have because they have to take it back. Yeah. Cap takes it back later so to got the it. exact same spot. Yeah. Which so, by the way doesn't make sense with his own time travel rules, but whatever. Anyway. So yeah, no, they don't and then like, yeah, like Cherie's just back. And, and Black oh, Panther is back. And- Shuri, we didn't see die, by the way. No, um, she was off screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tony hugging Peter, oh, my actual, was one oh, of my notes in actual. That because I couldn't finish it because I was just like, I was yeah. feeling very emotional. Yeah. When they play um, Spidey Catch oh. <laughs> with, with Peter, like it's a great moment, but it ultimately doesn't matter. Yeah. And yeah, Captain Marvel coming in and you're like, well, she could have won it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, something that nobody's really gone over, Tony committing genocide because um, he kills – Oh, because he kills off all of Thanos' people. Yeah. Yeah, Thanos and all these people. All to get the moment where Thanos is the last one to die and he has to watch everybody else die around him. Because, as we know, the snap travels d- different amounts of time depending, depending on – on how important you are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I had, like, big hard eyes over Peter saying goodbye to Tony. That was just, like, a bit heartbreaking. But, yeah – and then my next note is resetting the timeline would have been so much better. Plus, they wouldn't have had Tony dying if they'd reset the timeline and they wouldn't have had the big fight with Thanos in yeah. which nobody important dies anyway, but a whole bunch of people are just yeah. killed by Tony, a lot of them, a lot of whom were um, yeah. anyway. um, no Lupita, but they did get Angela Bassett. Yeah. yeah. Also, that was so Star Warsy. all the celebrations around the world. Yeah. Um, we yeah got for, re- for me, it was a bit Return of the King, but yeah, Star Warsy too. Yep. Well, Star Wars before, that. yeah, but um, Ned and Peter, um, as yeah. well get a hug, which made me yeah, happy, which, and that was where I started being like, imagine what it's like. Did uh, Ned get snapped too? Did all yeah, he had of, to have? Did they all of Spider Man's friends have to have gotten snapped because yeah. they're all in the movie, the next movie with him, and they're all that, still back at high school. Let's face it, nobody would notice if Tony Revolori was not <laughs> was, true, true, true. was but, five years older because he looks so much older. Than but Zendaya else. and um, yeah, they had yeah, to have been snapped. They have to have been snapped. We found out that Jelly informed us that the white kid at, at oh, Tony's yes. funeral was the kid from yes. Iron Man for, for 3. The, for other listeners who both of us went, huh? Yeah, the, the random teenage boy at Tony's funeral is that little kid from Iron Man 3. Um, my last note after they signed the movie, which I thought was oh, very yeah, that, weird. I didn't like that either with the weird signature bit. So arrogant and weird. Yeah. Um, but a little kid right up the back of our, our screening went, yeah. Right after that happened, <laughs> which was really cute. And that's all I got. But, yeah. Yep. Um, no, that's fair enough. Well, we've talked for like an hour and a half. I know. So it's, it's okay. It's, well, it, it makes sense. This is what we talk about when we have a Marvel movie, though. Yeah. I just found this a really disappointing one for me. Mm-hmm. 
and it doesn't it leaves so many things that matter to me either unsatisfyingly closed off or not closed off so yeah and they had to do so much work to undo what they've done but the way they undid it is a real head scratcher Hmm. and it is it has all these huge implications so that tony can have five years with his kid like it's massive implications for this universe just to give tony five years with his child Mm -hmm. yeah which is insane the level of selfishness of characters that we love in this movie is wild to me like of course you would go back and 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 also we know pepper was pregnant before he went so the kid would still be born it's not like he's erasing morgan's existence pregnant before he went where she was pregnant in infinity war no she wasn't yes she was no she said i think i'm pregnant when when he's going to leave there's a ho- there was a whole thing about how no she oh, talked right. talk talk about, about having a kid that's right he has a dream about having the kid he but has i'm a dream about it i'm 90 like, sure that why didn't you bring this up earlier i'm 90 percent sure that he was she was she is pregnant then uh, maybe but like yeah that, that discussion that they have there is about oh well if you if you really wanted a kid, you would have. We would have talked about this earlier. But anyway, yeah. Well, I thought that the implication was that she was pregnant. Like I'm, I remember having that conversation with people that she's pregnant. I mean, then you could. It could very easily have been yeah. true. And I mean, and so the, Morgan would still exists. Well, yeah. And so maybe then she's like actually five instead of four and a half that I was putting her at, assuming that they like you know they kind she's of he roughly ca- five. He came back and they got pregnant and married and stuff all at the yeah. same time. But yeah, it just like, to me, I don't know, it, it, the level of selfishness that's displayed in that decision making process is bizarre. Yeah. And it is like all around Tony's decision. Nobody else gets a say in it. This is half the universe we're talking about and nobody else gets a say in it. Yeah. That's wild. Because he doesn't want to erase his kid. Yeah. Or not even erase his kid. It's not even a racist kid. It's not have time with his kid. Yeah. Like not have those 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 five years with her. Mm. What about Clint's family? Yeah, the five years he missed with his family that he that then led him to become a freaking serial killer. Like Yeah. It's wild. Anyway. Anyway. <sighs> um right. what are you giving this film? Um, I'm gonna go three and a half because I think it's very enjoyable and satisfying. There's a lot of fan service and it's very well put together and I enjoyed it. Um, I do have some problems with it and I do think it sets itself up for some trouble later on, partly because it tries to do so much. I also think it's a very, particularly the first time you see it, a very overwhelming experience to watch. Like sense, like sensory wise afterwards, I needed like a couple of hours of like easy YouTube <laughs> to kind of bring me down from it because yeah. it's just really overwhelming. It's this. It's so, the, but the three, yeah, but three and a half though, because I still really enjoyed it, and I still think it's quite satisfying, and I think it will hold up quite satisfyingly later on for me. Okay, I think it's that like you know huge amounts of trauma contrasted with like nasty jokes. Yeah, and like oh, this scene is hilarious. Everybody's laughing, and now suddenly it's like Nat's dead. Yeah, and there were some things that they did that are very cynical and typical of broader patterns in which is why i'm not going higher um broader patterns in the marvel universe that have annoyed us before and still continue to annoy us and cause issues so um yeah yeah for me i like i feel like i can't really give it lower than three because it's still competently made and a lot of the acting is so good in it and stuff i just find i found it really problematic on a lot of levels Mm. 
including its own internal consistency. <laughs> yeah. So, but I guess three. Sure. <laughs> no worries. Well, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. And if you would like to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens on Facebook. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. I think it's tomorrow or maybe today is the sixth anniversary of me registering the domain silverscreenqueens.com. Oh. I just got the bill. <laughs> cool.